Well, awesome. Here's another episode of the the Down to Earth podcast. I'm very privileged to be with Daniel Barda uh, out of Traveler's Rest, right? Is it Church in Traveler's Rest? Yes. Okay. Technically, awesome. it's a Greenville address, but it's right on the right on okay. the border there. Our name at one point had Traveler's Rest instead of Northwest in it. For about oh, three okay. months, we were Christ Fellowship Traveler's Rest. But then uh, we discovered some things locally that it was going to be better for us as a church to go with Northwest instead of Traveler's Rest. So we're in the Northwest part of the county. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, well, I've heard a lot about, um, obviously, your family and my family have some history, and they kind of still do. My brother Samuel <laughs> uh, goes to your church now there. So um, yeah, I'm really excited to have you. So thank you for uh, joining me this morning. And uh, why don't you start and just tell me a little bit, I guess, about your um, story, I guess, of repentance and faith in Jesus and kind of what your uh, life has looked like since and going into ministry and where you're at now um, at Christ Fellowship. Yeah, so I grew up in uh, a pastor's home. My dad was an associate pastor. He's still at the same church that I grew up in. He's been there over 30 years. Grew up um, in church all the time. You know, you can do all the cliche sayings about that, like being drugged to church or whatever. But <laughs> we grew up in that context. I had four sisters, mom and a dad who serve in the local church was around Jesus all the time, uh, at least the the story of Jesus, the gospel. But as I, I made a profession of faith when I was five, um, got baptized very young uh, at, at an age of five or six in there. As I grew, um, I think just like almost everybody, you kind of wrestle with your own faith, the, the what mm -hmm. the world kind of offers, and is Jesus worth seeking him over the world you know you kind of grow up as a as a young person and trying to wrestle with that and for me i remember that a big thing that i was wrestling with was i looked at the church and a lot of times i didn't see a lot of joy so i i remember really coming to a place of man if if christianity mm -hmm. is what i kind of see if i'm gonna be 40 a lot of the people that i look at they were kind of miserable i didn't i didn't see joy and maybe I, there was a time where i thought I put all the blame on the people that were around me. I think maybe I was blind to some of the the joy that was there, but at least in my experience, that's what I saw was, hey, there's here's all these people who are now in their 40s, they're living their life, and I looked at it and went, there's not a lot of joy here. They seem kind of uh, miserable in their walking with Jesus. And so why not try out what the world offers as joy? And so that's what I did for middle school, high school, most of high school, even really going into college. The I came down here to North Greenville in South Carolina to go to a Christian school, North Greenville University. The only reason I did it is my parents said, if you go to a Christian school, we'll help you. If you go for one year, we'll help you. <laughs> and so I I came to North Greenville with the intent to transfer to Clemson and do engineering. And God saved me from uh, that course of action because Clemson <laughs> is terrible. And so... <laughs> Yeah, that's Wait, right. Just a, you, you know how it is. You've got a yeah, Gamecock shirt yeah, on. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I am not a Gamecock fan, but I am a Buckeyes fan. And the one thing Gamecock fans and Buckeye fans have in common is Clemson's terrible. Amen. We brother. root for them to yeah, we so root true. for them to lose at any any chance that we can. So <laughs> and you guys won. You pulled you pulled one off here recently. Hey, yeah. Right now we're we're running the state in major sports. So we'll we'll take what we can get. It's been a long time. <laughs> without it so 
I think Beamer has you on the right track, though. I hope so. I, I for what it's so. worth. Yeah, I hope so. For what's worth. But I, I came down here fully intending to do a year undeclared major transfer over to Clemson and pursue engineering. But I met a, a woman, a young lady at North Greenville University, and I met her on the third day that I was at school, <laughs> and I liked her a lot. And so that more, more, more so than anything else kept me at North Greenville a little bit longer. And in that time, God introduced me to some people who were serving Jesus, and they had a joy about them, a joy that I hadn't really seen before, or at least I didn't take notice of before. It was evident to me. And uh, in that process, God began to put a hunger in me, like, I at least got to explore this. Like, what is the difference? Um, how do these guys have a joy, or how do these ladies have a joy that I just didn't know of could exist? I didn't know could exist in the Christian Christian world. And um, God, God brought me to a place in my sophomore year. Uh, he used some hardships. He used some broken relationships to really bring me to a place, hey, God, if I continue to chase after joy and satisfaction my own way, I'm going to be here a lot. I'm going to be here in ruin and brokenness, um, suffering the pain of of not going, doing things wisely and in line with God's word and his will. And so God really used that to bring me to a place of, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow you uh, because you are good. He, he used all those things really to show me that um, God is good. He is uh, where joy and life are to be found. And if they're not found in him, they're not found anywhere else because I've tried mm. those things. Mm. And it was there Christmas break of my sophomore year that God really broke me for the first time. And uh, I, I've not been the same since then. Uh, mm. My life has been on a completely different trajectory. Um, it wasn't long after that that I switched my major at North Greenville to youth ministry and took an internship at uh, a local church where I served from 2008 all the way until 2019. And so um, God from there, uh, he, he changed me there. He, he rescued me there kind of from my own self and put me in a, on, a, on a track to know and enjoy God. That became mm -hmm. my pursuit. Mm -hmm. And I've uh, been doing that ever since. Uh, along the way, definitely not been perfect, but uh, that has been kind of the the heartbeat of uh, my my soul is to know God, to give myself to knowing Him and mm. really enjoying Him. Sounds very Piperish, yeah. Uh, but uh, he's, <laughs> mm. obviously, I've yeah. been uh, a big factor in kind of understanding what God did in my heart back there and watching it kind of come to maturity uh, over the last decade or so. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. That's, that's awesome. I, um, we kind of have some similarities in that, in terms of how we grew up, you know, pastor's home. I also went to North Greenville university, go crusaders. Um, and also was going there with the intention to transfer to South Carolina. So it was going to go just to the opposite, but loved it there, decided to stay. Um, so yeah, God really used my time there as well. So that's that's great. Um, and where you're at now, um, with kind of the understanding, you know, no church is perfect, but what where you're at now, where God's placed you to be pastor at uh, Christ Fellowship, what what would you say brings you the most joy about your your church, your local body? You know, when you think about where you're at, 
Um, what's something that really stands out and what do you think makes that as evident as it is, if that makes sense? Yes, definitely. And just to give a little bit of context to catch up, I, I did serve at a church from 2008 to 2019. Uh, I served there in multiple roles, first as an intern and then as a, a student pastor, then as a college pastor, then as a discipleship pastor over small groups. And uh, eventually, by the time I was leaving, I had I had dabbled in or was taking on responsibilities in more of like the executive realm. Uh, and then God had us, uh, God kind of saw fit to move us from that church in 2019. And I joined a church plant that was about two, two and a half years old uh, okay. back in 2019. And um, so it, it, I went from a big church that had, you know, pushing 750 to 800 people to a small church that had like 40. Uh, mm. And mm. so it was different and unique. Uh, but that kind of helps give some context to what I'm about to say is the thing that maybe I love about our church. It is, it is, there's a, there is a unity that really was just not able to be experienced or wasn't experienced in the larger church setting. Mm. Um we there's there's a oneness that it's kind of hard to articulate. I don't know if you can really articulate that to people very well. I think the our our church, not our church, our world in general, they they really push the idea of unity. They value unity, oneness, peace. But we really we look around and like it's hard to find it somewhere. Everyone right. seems to be divided. Every right. Clemson and South Carolina, right? <laughs> so everybody. There, there's division everywhere. It's like we're all chasing unity and peace and oneness, but to actually find it, uh, to actually find where I walk into a room and there's more than just you know one or two people, to, to see that there's a group of people who are one and they're chasing the same thing and they genuinely love and care for one another. They're they're meeting each other's needs. There's not a sense of hey, there's the four or five people who always sit at the same table together and there's four or five and. We're kind of content in our little fractions. And the only thing we hold in common is that we're in the same room <laughs> to go to a church where there is a genuine sense of, hey, we're we are one. I could walk into a room of 120 people and I could sit at any of these tables and we could all have a genuine conversation that is beyond just, hey, how are you doing this week? Um, to have a membership that has that oneness uh, and unity and mutual love for one another is something that uh, I kind of talked about a lot at the last church, but being able to now experience it is a mm. really amazing, amazing thing. I wouldn't give it up. I, I, I would struggle to uh, walk away from that. Um, sure. No, that's awesome. Do you do you feel like that has um, since it was newer, once you got there, like, do you feel like that's something that church leadership has really pushed for? Do you think that has just come naturally given the size, but also just the hearts that have been changed by the gospel? You know, like, what would you kind of, is that something that's been modeled for a smaller church like that? Or I don't know if you can necessarily pinpoint one thing. I think the thing that we probably should emphasize is it's the work of the Holy Spirit. So mm. when you see that unity, the peace, the love, it is, we know the spirit is the one who produces that. So I don't know if there's mm. like a checkbox of things sure. that you can say, hey, if the church does these things, they'll know unity. I think it's worth highlighting that even as I do these things, 
it's the spirit who who works in the people's hearts mm. to produce mm. that kind of love and unity. I do think there are some things though that God kind of calls us to walk in that lead to we walk in them by faith, trusting that as we obey him, he will with his spirit produce those things. That will be the fruit mm. that we get to enjoy. Mm. And one of them is just preaching the word faithfully. Um that seems cliche, but I've sat in churches where so true. that wasn't yeah. the case. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. uh, just getting up and, and teaching the Bible, we we have walked through, we, we're not uh, typical. We've been a little atypical, and maybe some of it is foolishness in our young uh, pastor uh, lives. Mm-hmm. The other guy that him and I shared the teaching load for the most part, and we're both 35, so it could just be our inexperience, but we've walked through numbers and ecclesiastes and parts of revelation and so we've taken some hard things but just walking through the the bible and teaching people what it says and mm-hmm. uh preaching the gospel from every page of it uh tends to lead to people uh being affected by the the spirit and then uh, emphasis on small groups so everything is hey we're going to preach the word and god's going to build his church that way and then we're going to give you opportunity to be in relationship with people. And that's not just something we say, but we structure our our whole church calendar around that. So we're going to be careful not to put too many things on the calendar. We're going to mm-hmm. say, hey, if you got to choose between doing this event on Saturday or being in your small group on Sunday night, like go to your small group on Sunday night and don't come to church on, don't come to the event on Saturday. Right. So just this culture of, hey, pursuing, investing in relationships is more important than doing the next thing over here, right? Uh, let's prioritize this. Let's do this. And then um, we we prioritize it as well. Now that I think about it, the to be a member at our church, you, you have to be a participant in a small group. And so by valuing church membership and making that an expectation, we, we review like, hey, are people mm-hmm. participating in small group? Are they coming to small group? If they're not, how do we come alongside them and encourage them in relationship? And so just upping that level of, hey, this is this is what we're called to do. This is how God grows his body. And we're going to move beyond just, hey, we hope this for you. But if you're joined with us, if you've committed to us, if you've covenanted with mm-hmm. us, then the expectation is to live out that covenant is to invest in people. And so right. uh, I think those things um, are kind of behind. There are walk of faith, trusting that. God will use them to create and maintain unity, love, peace. And we, I think to a great extent, we're, we're experiencing that. We're enjoying the fruit of that as a body. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, I, I love your emphasis on, yeah, the relationships, of course, um, as cliche as, as some of that stuff might sound, but it's so true, you know, activity within a church body does not always equal growth right so if you have all these events or like you said things to go to but you suffer because you don't gather you know and study god's word and uh invest in one another um yeah that has a a much heavier weight to it depth to it so that's awesome um kind of on the flip side um what is one area of your of your church um where maybe you would like to see growth or maturity change other than my brother samuel of course <laughs> uh shout out to samuel <laughs> uh 
We're trying to but, get him married. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's coming up soon. Off. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Which we're so, we're super excited for, for both of them. It's awesome. But um, yeah. So yeah. What would you say, you know, some area of growth that you'd like to see and what do you think might be some practical things your, your church can do to, to help achieve that? Yeah. So I, we actually had a family meeting two, two or three Sundays ago, back on March 5th. And we got posed the question, what are some ways that we see the church loving each other well? But what are some ways or where do you see that we are weak in loving each other or our neighbor? People in the church or outside, where do, where could we improve mm -hmm. in loving uh, our neighbor? We've been walking through a sermon series through the Sermon on the Mount. And so the great call to have nice. the whole law is summed up in uh, loving God and loving each other or the end of it is do unto others, right, um, as you would have them to do to you. And so that I thought that was a great question. So I answered it, and that makes this question very simple and easy mm -hmm. for me because I've already <laughs> articulated it. Right. And that is we do a great job of loving the people who are at our church. They're in our world. And I wouldn't even just say at our church, but we love the people who are near to us. And so near to us relationally or uh, economically, people who are in our sphere, but I think one of the ways we must grow and I must grow personally is loving the person who is far away. And I don't just mean geographically, but maybe there are obstacles in the way to my, my loving them. When we look at Christ, he had, uh, his love was pursuing, like he pursued people in love and a lot of times my love is very reactionary, like a need comes along, I'm made aware of it. Oh, I've got an extra 50 bucks. I can help meet that need. Very willing to do that. But there's a different kind of love that says, hey, I know that there are orphans in my community and I might not know who they are. And that opportunity may not have come to my door, but I know they're there and I'm going to pursue them out. Uh, I know that there are neighborhoods in our community that I'm never going to cross paths with them. They are in that they run a different lifestyle. They work in different places. They mm -hmm. uh, go to different schools. They do different things for their hobbies. But that does not negate the fact that I'm called to love them. And to love them is going to require that I intentionally pursue them because they're never going to enter into my world. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, for our older people in our church, it would look like, hey, that younger couple over there that's getting married, we don't have anything in common. They, they're not going to invite me over to the house. Probably, they we're not doing things that we have, we don't we're not going to the same concerts, right? We're not we're we are our lives are not going to naturally cross, but because I'm called to love my brother and sister, I'm going to pursue them at great cost. I may have to go endure an event that I would never find myself at, and I would never pay money to actually go be a part of, right. in order to be with them. Does that make is that yeah? Makes sense. And I think that what I need to grow in and what our church needs to grow in is this love that compels me to pursue people that otherwise I would never be even in the proximity to really love them well. Right. Uh, this is a strong, strong answer. Um, because yeah, there might can be yeah, an overemphasis to, you know, stick with yeah, who you already know and love and like you said, reactionary type. Um yeah, it's very well phrased <laughs> as we talked about earlier, your writing. So I can tell, yeah, that's, um, 
very, very true. Um, so it's good too, that your church is even talking about that, you know, where do we need to grow? Um, that's a really encouraging to hear, uh, that there are local churches even thinking through that very thing. Um, and I guess one of my other, my other questions with where you're at now as well, um, what would be one, you know, theological belief conviction that your, your church holds to, and how does that translate and play out in your actual ministry practice? Um, there can sometimes be that disconnect between <laughs> theology and, and life and how we, you know, interpret that and actually, uh, as we would say, practice what you preach, but yeah. What would you say about your, um, yeah, your church and, and how that, how that plays out at uh, Christ fellowship. So this one, again, I think it probably has come out because it's one that I am passionate about. But Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul tells us that God builds his church through the work of really people God applies, prophets, evangelists. I'm of the opinion that those are like called, recognized roles within the the church. These These are men... God has gifted the church with to teach and expound the word of God. Think Sunday morning preaching. Right. We have core classes where someone's really standing up and dissecting the word and teach. God builds his church through, through that. But then it says that he brings the church to maturity as they speak the truth one to another in love. Mm-hmm. And so if I think about the way that God church, his design growth for my personal growth and the, the body is is being lame to them as he's preaching as the word is preached this holy spirit's doing this this work that we really can't see uh we see that in first thessalonians where paul says you know we we know that you that god has saved you we know that god has regenerated you because we see your love and we see that you've turned away from idols and we see this walk of life that is different and it is evidence that when we preach to you the spirit was accompanying it with power it wasn't just mere words of men but god was doing this thing by his spirit. But then he goes on to say the way that maturity happens. So this new life, people being added, uh, this work that we can't really see is happening. This power in life is kind of infused into the church. But then maturity comes when God's people continue on a regular, I think it's an ongoing thing where we are speaking the truth one to another in love. And I tell people that I my understanding of that in the past was that man? I said it with with a smile on my face, right? Like <laughs> I w- it was about the posture in which I said it. Like I could say a mean thing to you as long as I said it with a smile on your my face, and I did it in did it quote unquote in love, right? But at what I what I think I've come to realize is that in love is more about a relational context, right? And so the believer grows into maturity in the soil of relationships in which the truth is kind of reverberating within it. And so we, the way that we carry that out then is, which I was kind of telling you earlier before we even started the show, was I want to equip our people to know the word of God, to know God, so that they can then sit down in relationship with people and speak the truth one to another. You see, when I preach on Sunday morning, there's a hundred and so many people out there in the audience that, man, there's all kinds of applications. There's all kinds of life circumstances going on. And so I'm really taking a shotgun approach to, hey, this is what the Word of God says. 
This is how we go live it. There's mm-hmm. a there's a lack of precision that takes place from the pulpit. But then as they kind of go out and they live life together, those circumstances become very real. They become very known in the smaller context. And as, as this individual member in relationship with another person who knows that person's circumstances, who knows what's going on, they know the fight that they just had with their spouse. They know the struggles they're having with their children. They know the doctor's diagnosis that they just received or the ongoing work issues that are happening at their job. And so they can take the truth and speak it in relationship with one another with much more precision and with much more uh, accuracy to the life circumstances going on. And that Mm -hmm. that is where uh, people are called to repentance. It, It moves from this general declaration of these truths that are so witty and big. Mm. Great. Okay. Yes. God is good and you're experiencing a hard thing. So how does this, how do we wrestle with that? How do we understand that? How does it call you to act and respond to your wife when she said that yesterday? Uh, And Mm. so it is equipping our people to have those kind of conversations in Mm. on a regular not just as peripheral things that happen within the life of the church, but they are central to our strategy for discipleship where we are currently. Mm. That's that's, the truth kind of behind it. Right, right. No, that makes so much sense. Um, And as to the other answers, I I love that. I think that's something I'm having to work on a lot is how in regular conversation with, yeah, my wife, with other church members, with people I see at the post office, you know, how do I enter into that with truth and in a relational way to, uh, especially with believers, you know, encourage one another, like you said, maybe even call some to repentance, you know, having those hard conversations that involve truth, but with love. Um, yeah, it's a great thing. That's awesome. Um, the final thing that we'll do, uh, my last question, I typically ask this, um, to all of my guests, well, each pastor gets a different question and yours. Um, would you be able to explain a time, um, or a season maybe in your, your course of your ministry experience where it was difficult? Um, you were really challenged or really struggled with whatever. Um, and kind of one, how did God use that? How did the Lord shape you? Um, and how might you encourage another pastor, um, going through something similar or maybe a church member, if, you know, uh, you were to speak with a church member, um, you know, and kind of what would that look like for you? So, yeah, we, um, we were in our last church from 2008 to 2019. So I was in my 12th year of ministry there. And unfortunately that time in the, the last church came to an end that was kind of bitter for us. It was not uh, what we had planned. God kind of used some circumstances to move us out of the church. And that, it was a season. It, it really brought an end to a season that was very challenging. Uh, the last year, really 2018 into the spring of 2019, it was uh, a season really of turmoil, not just for me, but mm-hmm. uh, for the senior pastor that was there, your dad, uh, right. actually. And so right. um, we... We walked through. There was a lot going on there. It's hard. I, I've spent lots of time trying to figure out what in the world happened uh, back there. Uh, and I think sometimes in 
not just in when churches are experiencing turmoil, everything kind of gets turned up emotionally. And so you have all this emotional activity happening, people saying things, uh, people doing things. And it's really hard to kind of get to the heart of the issue because now you just got the the real issues kind of get hidden behind all these other things. Well, this person said this, or we have this meeting over here, and we've got this issue over here. And really mm -hmm. in that season, you feel like you're chasing a bunch of things that really are not the issue. So it's like, man, we resolved this here, but then another thing popped up over here and another thing here. And really mm -hmm. in the midst of it, now that I look back, all the things that it seemed like it was uh, from uh, accusations of bad theology against myself and uh, some of the other pastors to um, uh, character issues to um, false motives, like ulterior motives, um, to all kinds of other issues that just kind of came up and got worked through. And in reality, now that I look back on it, I would probably argue that those things were just kind of a smokescreen to some of the more underlying and serious issues. Mm. Um, but the but at the end of the day, we uh, it got to a place where really you just we couldn't myself and your dad and the senior pastor. Um, it just became really clear like God kind of gave us a freedom. At least for me, I won't speak for him, but he gave us a freedom to to. I said, okay, we've done our work here. We've done as much as we could do here. We've been faithful uh, with a clear conscience. I think uh, Paul has, Paul the Apostle in that season taught me a lot about the importance of being able to, to stand in your relationship with God and say, in spite of the accusations or in spite of all the things that have taken place here, the most important thing is I can sit before God with a clear conscience and say, hey, I, I've done what I, what he called me to do. I've to the best of my ability, I've been faithful. Doesn't mean I've not made mistakes or I've said things that I wish I wouldn't have said or mm -hmm. um, regret not saying things I should have said. But uh, at the end of the day, being able to look at God, being able to sit down in His presence and say, "Hey, I've, I have a clear conscience before Him," in the way that I kind of walked through that process. But um, at the end of the day, it was it was a hard season. It was a difficult season. It was uh, learning to let go of your your dreams. You know, I envisioned my wife, my family being at that church until who knows how long, right? I had my next mm -hmm. five, 10 years in, in vision and to kind of come to a place where that kind of gets taken away from you. And that mm -hmm. was, that was challenging. It was difficult. So, um, but yeah, I, I have walked through uh, a season in which um, it was very challenging pastorally, uh, where there was very clear, uh, um, enemies, and I don't mean necessarily mean that in a condemning way, but people who were in opposition to uh, to me and to others that uh, I loved and respected and thought were doing a good work. So uh, right. to be able to experience that in the church uh, was very, very challenging. Thank you for yeah being willing to share that and open up. I know it was a tough a tough season for your family, my family, and, and many others. But um, moving from that, as you've been able to reflect on it, um, how might you encourage a f another pastor or a church member that maybe experiences something similar? Um, how might you, yeah, uh, give some insight or wisdom, um, if they came to you asking for that? Yeah, I think several things really stand out to me. And again, when I left, I was, 
I was blessed with six months of uh, where my salary was covered. And so I got a lot of time to, to sit and think about and uh, really uh, process everything that we kind of experienced. And God began to show me several things. One of them being that we, we always hear that God uses our hard things to um, make us better or stronger or whatever. But I would say God, God used those moments to teach me what it means to really cling to him. Uh, one of the sweet things about going through that season that lasted uh, a little bit over a year, especially was, man, my, my times alone with God, my, my prayer life, my sitting in his presence and standing in awe of him was at an all time high. Like, Mm. the i think the the difficulty of the season made me live in my dependence upon him and my need for him and my reliance upon him in a way that i think we can forget when things are easy when things are good and well we just don't turn to god with the same urgency and cry mm. for help it's not mm. that we are less in it's not that we are less dependent in those seasons it's just we're not aware of it. It's not forefront in our mind. I feel like we are good. We feel like we are de- independent and we don't need him as much. And when God brings you through a season where it's very evident that you can't carry this on your own, you can't do this on your own, you are fully dependent upon him, it pushes you towards him in a way that when the pressure of difficulty is taken off, I think my flesh tends to um, navigate away from him. I think of the mm. the the hymn, the old song, you know, prone to wander, yeah. right? My heart is prone to wander. And mm. oftentimes, severe difficulty is what uh, is the fetter that, that hymn talks about that binds mm-hmm. my heart to him. Mm. And um, it... it I look back on those things and those times, those seasons with uh, a sweetness to them in that I can go back to my journals and there are so many uh, awesome conversations I had with God and seeing him and knowing him in the quiet of hours in the morning, just having to have him or I was not going to make it through the day. And Mm -hmm. I don't have that, that same urgency does not stay with me on a day-to-day basis. Often, sadly, oftentimes I say, or I would think that it is because I don't have the same difficulty that makes my dependency upon him so, so apparent. So that, that would definitely be one that I would encourage people in the midst of those difficult seasons is uh, they're there, they're designed to push you towards him. And, um, he, he, he will be, if you're his, he will be successful in breaking you down until you, (laughs) till you, till you turn to him and cling to him. And so learn the, learn the lesson quickly, not, uh, not so stubbornly as I did. Mm. Mm. Well, again, thank you for opening up about that. It's all very helpful. Um, yeah, just to glean from that and that the Lord, as you would say, we hear it all the time. The Lord does use those things, but to, to actually walk through the valley, um, 
and kind of test your faith there. It's good to hear that the Lord has used it for you and that you've learned to grow your dependence more and more on him. So hopefully I'll learn that quickly <laughs> as well. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I have a, there's a, there's a few others that could maybe just be quick hitters here. Uh, if you're, if you're interested or we still have a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, before. The, the, the first one being uh, in the moments of conflict, great conflict where there seems to be this side versus that side. Uh, we have a tendency and I, I lived this out. And I think our culture lives this out is that, we tend to see our side as unstained by sin and the other side mm. completely free of anything good. And in the midst of that, um, in the midst of the conflict and the heated exchanges or the hurt feelings or the wounded heart, really being able to step back and go, wait a second, the, the turmoil we are experiencing, the disunity, we have all sides have contributed it to with to to it with their own sin mm. our sin past uh present uh all of this as we live in relationship with each other as sinners we have contributed to maybe not equally right maybe not in mm. every little instance but together as a community that's divided and broken we have even some of the people who caused me the most pain i can look back to the years leading up to our conflict and say, Hey, there was, there were times and seasons when I responded to them. There were uh, words that I said over the history of years that caused wounds and those wounds were never dealt with. And so the effects of my sin three, four, five years prior is now affecting the way we're trying to navigate this thing moving forward in the present. And I don't think I appreciated that um, as I was walking through it. And it was very easy. My default is to look at the one sitting across the table from me who's who's frustrated or attacking and see all their faults and not give enough weight to the fact that, hey, wait a minute, maybe the way they're responding is from a wound that I caused two or three years ago. And the reason we can't move forward is because we haven't dealt with these things back here that mm. I contributed to, you know, and so. Right. I would I would say to people walking through those kind of issues is to really uh, spend some time alone and really consider yourself and how your own sin has probably affected uh, the interaction that's going on here. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I I think of um you know the the log and the speck, you know, it's it's really easy to see the <laughs> the speck, you know um across the table from you when you've got this log and, and plank you know in your own your own eye so um yeah it's a good reminder in, in dealing with with conflict that if that is you know if my wife listens to this which i'm sure she will that's something that marriage has really shown me is how big of a log um i have in my eye <laughs> uh, marriage, everyone should get married for that reason and that reason right? yeah. Right. But I'm just thankful. Yeah. That there's grace and, um, no, it's really good. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, Daniel for, for joining me today. It's been great talking and, and catching up with you. I'll, uh, look forward to reading, uh, your, your content as you put some of that out, any final words, thoughts from you? No, I think, uh, hopefully this has been beneficial and it, uh, helps somebody as they kind of wrestle with 
church and those things. I, I, along those lines that your podcast, I imagine is mm -hmm. uh, meant to kind of help with, or at least an angle that it, I think it could help with is I meet so many people. I've been a part of it uh, where people are kind of frustrated with church, the organization, and it mm -hmm. all stems back to wounds, church wounds, um, church hurt, uh, disenfranchised with the church. And um, I think I appreciate what you're doing and kind of giving an inside look to people who are leading the church and hopefully maybe people who are disengaged with um, the body of Christ might um, I might use the podcast to help stir in them and awaken mm -hmm. in them a, mm -hmm. uh, a desire for the thing God intends for them to to grow in. So. Sure. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I absolutely hope so. Uh, well, thanks again so much, Daniel, for for joining me this morning, and uh, maybe we'll we'll have you guys <laughs> back on again sometime. All righty, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs>